This episode is available to watch as a video podcast exclusively on the Talking Backwards Patreon page. Sign up today over at patreon.com slash talkingbackwards. Back in Twin Peaks. Back in Twin Peaks. Uh, I, I honestly, I didn't learn a lot from this chapter other than the outcome of Annie, who finally gets her chapter in this one. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Who, uh, yeah, after her experience in the Black Lodge, when she was saved, question mark, by Cooper and comes out and is just this unresponsive vegetable, except for once a year. Where to, to the day that she came out at 8.38 every day, uh, she will say, I'm fine to no Which, one. That was one of my favorite things because to me, that's the time that Cooper's asking the question the mm-hmm. next morning. And I just think that's wonderful. But I also like the little, I guess, double or parallel to her. Like he asks her how she's doing in the double R and, and towards the end of season two, you know, and she says uh mm-hmm. she's like i'm fine i'm weird actually i'm disoriented feels odd being here i'm okay mm-hmm. <laughs> like that whole mm-hmm. scene yeah um so i think that's a really cool tie-in but yeah i just love thinking as odd as that is for her to do that every year on the day or the next morning mm-hmm. i just she's answering his question yeah yeah my beef comes in with kyle's tweet the other day <laughs> i don't remember what it said like all yeah, this time like, and we're still asking who's annie? Happened to annie like only time will tell yeah. it's like no time already did oh, yeah oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. October, did you not read this book October i was like 31st, kyle didn't read this book 17 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, i think i said to the group spoiler alert she's fine yeah <laughs> right she's fine yeah now, this be- this might actually this might be my favorite part of the book is just this cycle that she's caught in after and Annie was always one of those characters that was like I don't know if this person really belongs here like Twin Peaks is too weird and she's too normal to be here and to see this person who's really not from here end up here and get caught in just the craziest possible scenario for going to a new town to come out of this spiritual nightmare and to just be caught in this cycle where all you can do is hear the one person you made a real connection with ask you how you are and you tell them you're fine, but they never hear you is right. This is one of the most just heartbreaking fates of any of the characters for me. Like if this is, and ostensibly this is the like post saving Laura timeline too. Yeah. But that happens after all of this somehow. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what she's stuck in or what has given her this separate reality that should be cleared up. Like this shouldn't have happened to her. Like she shouldn't be in this state if we're in the uh, end of her turn timeline. Right. Yeah. But it's in this, 
this may be connected to the the end of the book here where uh, Tammy mentions that her memories are being evaded, that they're clouding mm-hmm. by just being here. Absolutely. Maybe Annie just hasn't been in Twin Peaks long enough to be affected by this change the same way. Maybe she's holding on to the, the same experience that it hasn't completely invaded and clouded her yet. But it's just regardless, like to be stuck in this place where you are unresponsive, except for a moment of cognition at the same time every year, year, not day, to just hear the one person that connected with you and cared about you genuinely that you didn't know before ask you how you are and you trying to tell them you're okay is a nightmare to me. Like this is the worst outcome. Was asking in a freaking asshole way. So not initially. So when Cooper wakes up in the bed, his pretty much his first thing is how's Annie like as Cooper, like not as the double, but how do you know that it's him and not, an imposter. Him the whole time, right? When he comes out of the lodge, it's the double. It's it's not the real Cooper. But as far as her mind would perceive that she could see, like how else would she know this is anybody but Cooper? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, she wouldn't know that. So, because everything else is veiled. Yeah. As um as sad too as all of that is, one of my favorite memes is the one where it's like spends one day not even a day in the black lodge. And it's like the shot of Annie, like from the missing pieces, you know, in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And then it's like spends 25 years in the black lodge and it's Dougie spitting out his coffee in his kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my all time favorites. <laughs> Cause of how ridiculous that is. This is sad. The way the log lady story in the secret history is sad. It's just like yes. heartbreaking very well written it's 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 rough the interesting thing about the annie thing to me it hit me in a bunch of different ways like one this is kind of like audrey in the sense that she's kind of trapped in something like she's she's trapped in her own mind the the thing about the thing about the annie thing is like i don't think that any of this is her fault and that's what makes this sad like right. she's got the raw end of the deal for being someone that just wanted to do, be a good person in the world. Like she's pretty much got the short end of the stick and got the raw deal out of all of it. So I don't think that she, she is connected to this kind of stuff. Meaning like, it's not necessarily her, like you could argue that Audrey, <laughs> Audrey's whatever Audrey's going through is might be a, you know, a psychosis I think that, you know, Sherilyn Finn also told me that like, she wanted to like, well, her and Kyle should have like seen each other at least, or maybe they got back together or maybe they kid like, basically like Sherilyn Finn was a lot like a lot of viewers that like wanted some kind of like closure or wanted to go back to the town and try to kind of recapture what the old show was in a little way. So like, I also think some of the Audrey thing is like, she's trapped her mind is trapped in the same way the audience is kind of like wanting the old show. Like I, I, I want to be back where I was before, but I, I can't be there. So now I'm kind of like spinning my wheels. Right. So like, I think that Annie's fate is kind of like uh, kind of a meta thing like that, 
like it's kind of a comment on the old show, maybe a comment on nostalgia a little bit because that was the cliffhanger question. That's the question that all of the diehard fans for 25 years have been asking, how's Annie, how's Annie, how's Annie? And even like joking about it, right? And even like whatever. And then this is Frost being like, oh no, this is like a, a tragic, like it's the worst possible outcome that you could think. That's how Annie right. is. Right. That's that's how the world is, really. It's not some cute TV show. Like Annie is horrible. That's that's what this is all about. You yeah. know, like screw your nostalgia, screw the jokes. Like it's this is a horrible, horrible outcome. And so that's like that's why it's even worse for me. It's cause even me, I'm like, Yeah, how's Annie? How's Annie? You know, 30 years I've been doing that. And right. then Frost, Frost is like, Oh, she's terrible. Yeah, it's it's, it's the worst. Tragic. It's, it's tragic, yeah. and it's the worst thing you can possibly think of. That's how Annie is. I think many fans' big disappointment is that she was not in the return, and that question just wasn't answered. So, yeah, I mean, that's again, that is my favorite part of this book. Is you know, okay, there's at least that because that was definitely Annie was a just a glaring absence in the return, like for. Mm -hmm. Sure. And did you say um, she wasn't asked? I think she. I don't. Yeah, she think was not so. asked. Oh wow! But but she was interested, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. So there's that. It's not that she didn't want to. <laughs> so she was interested, but I, I would have really loved asked. to see Annie in the return, but yeah. So I can only what I know. I might have been too much. <clears throat> I can only assume Cooper just having been in the lodge for 25 years and Annie have gone like since she went to the lodge that he knew her state and that's why he wasn't so you know he wasn't going to her rescue when he woke up mm -hmm. I think Cooper comes to with a lot of knowledge about what the end game is yes like what's what's the big problem and that's his focus because he only has two episodes to do it <laughs> so <laughs> so when he comes through it's like okay, clear, decisive mission, no sidetracking until this is solved. Yeah. And I, I believe in my heart of hearts, like had he had a definitive defeat of Judy in the end, then if he was still in Twin Peaks in that timeline, if he could have just stopped the evil and you know basically fixed the world, his next order of business would have been to find out about where Annie is and visit her. But yeah. didn't and he also Audrey. give up yeah. like my perception is that he took the second tulpa or whatever that he had made and sent him on the new mission and he went back to be with um oh jam and janie i didn't know you went with that with that theory yeah. that's hmm. that's the way i'm leaning so he said fuck all about annie <laughs> like oh it's been 25 years she's dead or yeah has nothing I can do to save her at this point. Well, yeah. that's why I think because him being in the lodge, he knew, already knew her state because she had been in the lodge as well. Mm -hmm. And so therefore just, again, we don't know. I can only hope that he already knew her state. And there's so, the whole, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, so Tyler, you think the real Cooper is the one that went back to Sunny Jim and Janie E and that he sent his, his another one yeah. to take Laura that, to the other dimension. more credence to be like this fresh new person be like, huh, what year is this? 
I don't know. There's something there. Yeah, that, is. that is that is I a mean, layer. You're not the only one that thinks that. I mean, that's definitely uh, yeah. a theory that's come up many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably my favorite bit of ambiguity in that finale. Yeah, mm-hmm. I stumbled on that one, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, show pissed me off. This, uh, I knew it would, but. <laughs> I knew it would from day one. I'm like, man, this dude is not gonna like how <laughs> yeah. he is not, yeah. not gonna like how this ends. There's, there's a real simple explanation about the anything not being in the return. Also, is one this gives me something to put in my book that I'm gonna release after the return. But two, Janie E is kind of Dougie's love interest and. In, Diane is kind of the female lead who kind of comes back at the end as kind of Cooper's, I guess, mate or whatever. Like, like so basic, basically, it, yeah, or Animus or Scarlet Woman or whatever. Like, she is Annie, throwing Annie in there would have just messed all of that. Like, because then you'd be like, is he in love with Diane? Like, like here in the return, it's kind of ambiguous. Like, maybe they used to have a fling or maybe they love each other like platonically, like maybe they're like best buds or maybe they were kind of like romantic, but he express mails her a tape every single day. There's something there. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's like throwing Annie back in there with really nothing to do. I think would have screwed up kind of the whole because Dougie and Janie e, like do end up kind of falling back in love and having a romantic relationship. And then the, it's bookended with Cooper and then, you know, Diane, the real Diane, whatever shows up at the end. Uh, I, I think it was just a creative decision. Just like, mm-hmm. Hey, like, mm-hmm. I know everyone wants to know. I know everyone likes Annie. I know, I know, I know, but like we, we already have, female leads slash romantic tie like mm-hmm. we've already got a lot of stuff going on a lot of irons in the fire already yeah, like yeah. How, how about i just put it in my book and then that'll be something that'll help sell the book because people want to know you know yeah. but uh that it's just a, just a guess but then you get the yeah. book and it's like oh she's fine <laughs> but she's that's the best part is she's not <laughs> at all right you know, none of this would have happened to Annie if she hadn't been Miss Twin Peaks. So what happens when Miss Twin Peaks goes into a catatonic state and cannot serve in her position? You get the runner-up, Miss Lana Budding Milford. Mm. Yay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Black Widow for sure just has a, a long line of bodies across multiple marriages through the rest of her career. Uh, at one point, uh, doesn't she meet up with Donna at some point? And they take yes. a picture. They take a picture together, yeah, and, they come and Donna hates it. <laughs> yes, I hate that. <laughs> so yeah, Lana's this. Lana's this. Lana is just this. Uh, you know, globe-trotting Black Widow, who may or may not have been involved with Trump, mm-hmm. and <laughs> there's yeah. definitely there's also. There was also a little bit in the section about uh, Doug Milford's ring that was recovered mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. after at his <clears throat> at his death. So in one report, uh, one of his belongings is a jade-colored ring, 
but in another it is just an ordinary wedding band yeah love that so this is him wearing a green ring in the show Mm. like when he's dead in the bed yeah he is wearing a gold ring with a green stone in the show and this was before the firewalk firewalk (laughs) made the allocate (laughs) ring was a thing Mm -hmm. and that's the only thing i like about this section is that there's a little (laughs) paragraph like oh they mentioned the ring and Mm -hmm. this is they like oh this is the one that meriwether lewis and maybe nixon it so like this is kind of your loose callback to they don't really do a whole lot with the secret history in this book. Hmm. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't yeah. mean, oh, remember when we talked about UFOs and shit? Like, no, they don't do any of that. It's just <laughs> like, it's just like this like, is that you read one. it, you know. Yeah. yeah. But this is that one paragraph. Say this is a, her condensed version of all this stuff. Yeah. So she's mm. probably not into outer space. Well, and she kind of says what I just said. It's like, oh, you know all this. Like I'll I'll just right. give you what my new findings. Yeah. yeah. Like it it's a clear example of once again, there's two different timelines in play. Like there's one where he yep. had the ring and another where he does not. Yep. Although the Love ring that. does disappear typically. Like when mm-hmm. we see it in the show, like it didn't it disappear right off Ray um um yes. that yeah. that fucker Ray's uh mm-hmm. finger. Yep. Oh. Yeah, so I mean, there, there's but ways after, around after that he, without even switching. That's after he has disappeared into the Red Room, too. But Well, yeah, but I think his body didn't still disappear. remains. Or yeah, I, yeah, it's well, tricky. It, yeah, see, Laura, Laura Palmer um, put the ring on and showed up in the room right after, right after she was killed, but her body washed up on the shore. So, like, I think that mm-hmm. there's, a, there's just a separation on that, so... Yeah, you know, I I think you know, good old Dougie could technically be in two places now. But I love yeah. the whole thing between this and Secret History, where Lana Budding Milford is basically just I I cannot think of her as anything else besides an houring bearer. Like you know, she gives mm. it to the people in power, and like you know, she's you know they they give character to to Vivian, for God's sake, and you know, like they yeah. give they give Lana zero character. It's like I, I think she's a function just as much as anything else, like the um like, like any of the other lodge kind of characters, according to the way Frost is putting her in now. She's totally a lodge spirit. <laughs> just saying. I mean that that is a very like that's a really cool idea that I hadn't heard before. That the fact that this person is just a, a tool to transport mm-hmm. this thing to people in really powerful positions for whatever reason. Yeah. Like what, what is, what is the lodge up to? Like, why do they want to mm-hmm. get this ring to people in power? What are, what are they doing? Yeah. Or she's more like a Chantel than she is like a Mrs. Tremont. Oh yeah. 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 Just kind of a, kind of a, you know, blindly a, a working for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I need you to do this, go do it. Mm-hmm. And then they just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Happily doing it. You know, she's hedonistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it fits with her, priorities so you know what the hell let's do it that also kind of gives some credence to the fact that she has a sort of cloud around her that makes men susceptible Mm -hmm. to everything she has to say oh yeah yeah that's pretty good Mm. yeah pretty good and again tammy takes a minute to point out that that lana is a a kindred spirit to vivian (laughs) yeah basically like like i i totally hate this lady is what tammy's saying 
she's a little more explicit with with Lana than she was with Vivian. Right. Saying right. that trash is trash. Yes. <laughs> even if it wears it, even if it's in a Tiffany bag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a good line. That might have been Mark Frost's mom actually say that. I can <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I can yeah, yeah. like oh, that like experience kind of coming through. Yeah, like that sounds like a total old timey saying you know yeah. that's not something like like my grandma might have said back in the day mm-hmm. yeah i guess we can go ahead and uh, jump over to dr jacoby yeah and uh, again this section really evolves away from the character yeah. it's titled for mm-hmm. but uh, the fast and loose on uh, the updates for him is that he uh had his license to practice uh, psychology revoked moves back to hawaii to kind of get his head right he started a blog around uh Min, I don't know if I'm saying this right. I'm trying mispronouncing it correctly. Minhune practices and beliefs a, a sort of a pygmy race that's uh, in the Hawaiian folklore. I actually have heard about this before. Uh, uh, Listen to uh, a podcast and watch a series called Lore that goes into this a little bit. Okay. It's uh, kind of this overarching like sort of species that has multiple different names and different communities. Uh, and this kind of ties into the, the lodge spirits who've been uh you know equated to uh ancient tall people or visitors uh kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum these are the small people who affect mm. things around and have their own sort of ideals that he tries to uh, impart on other people through this blog and this will evolve um uh, after after jacoby has followed the grateful dead on tour and uh you know, it kind of goes radical after 9-11 and has all this like hippy dippy experience plus his like Hawaiian folklore in his head. And uh, this is what drives him to evolve to Dr. Amp and do his pirate radio station. Mm-hmm. Pretty much just a uh, very anti-government, uh, very anti-establishment and uh, wants to, as is the practice of the Menhune race, uh, make sure that people have power and pretty much have their uh, autonomy over themselves. And nobody else decides what you do for yourself is the origin of Dr. Amp, which I love. That goes super with everything that we've seen from his show. Uh, he's able to accrue financial success by selling these gold shovels to, uh, uh, what is it? Metaphorically dig yourself out of the shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And high praise from Tammy for Dr. Jacoby for all of this too. Oh yeah, like and yeah. and really takes it to heart everything that he's preaching. Like she's kind of another Nadine. She's mm-hmm. like, this guy's spitting truth. <laughs> another Jacobian soldier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, this is definitely my favorite chapter out of the whole thing. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, because it it first of all it it I mean even if it's just on Frost side like. Uh, Jacoby is not a charlatan, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's actually contributing a lot to charities with yeah. his money. You know, he's not selling out. He's not, he's basically just trying to do um, um, interpersonal alchemy. I know they mentioned that by name, like he's actively trying right. to do that. And, um, you know, it, it's basically like the, the trauma is at the base of Twin Peaks and, you know, he's got, you know, after after meeting those uh, people on the shaman trip in Secret History, and then meeting with the Menahune here, you know, it's like he he finally got enough information downloaded into his brain 
so that when he wasn't so far away now or whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, you know, he kind of put it into action and he ends up being like a moral compass. Mm -hmm. He's like, he, he's the worldly Margaret in this one. You know, like they both basically yeah, have the yeah. same exact message, except that, you know, he's trying to put it through this framework of, you know, he found it the hard way. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I've, and if you've read anything that I wrote on 25YL, um, that, that'll come up eventually where like the golden shovels, you know, it's like you got two coats, you know, you've got your... Um, Guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, it's like you, you get your trauma, but then you have to get two coats of this gold um, in order to like get your breakthrough so that you can finally do something about it. And like, there, there's all these patterns about leaving twice. And, uh, you know, like, um, like he left twice, he left town twice, uh, Cooper left town twice. Like there's mm -hmm. a couple other James later on in this own chapter, which yep. is why I think it's probably part of this chapter. You know, it's like, there's all these things that it, it's basically a roadmap of how to get through trauma in Twin Peaks is in this chapter, the, uh, the, the, um, Oh my gosh. <laughs> For Tyler just coming back, it's the, the, um, Jacoby. the Jacoby chapter. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's really cool to put it in that perspective of him being the the Margaret of worldly things, where she's kind of the arbiter of the spiritual things mm -hmm. and the, the unseen. And Jacoby's very much the one who's planted on the ground. Uh, I like the detail of the uh, kind of spiritual group he met with uh, translating to being born without a head. I think that mm -hmm. was the, the New Zealand or somewhere else. Peewee. Might be, I might be mixing that up. But the, yeah, the track, yeah. the translation coming, coming out as born without a head. I thought was really neat just because of all the different decapitation stuff mm -hmm. throughout yeah. the return, like being really at the forefront. I thought that was a neat little nod. Um, I don't think the little poops thing has much to do with the greater scheme of things. <laughs> I could be wrong about that. Something being named this doesn't necessarily mean they are that, you know, it's like there's right. the, the secret reason uh, it just, you know, the, mm -hmm. there's this, there's the official and the unofficial. Right. So just thematic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She even goes on to say like it very much was born with a head because this is the name of their leader. Yeah. This, this section devolves from Jacoby. I, I say devolves because we go into James. Uh, it becomes very much about him and what we basically already knew about him. And it also well, goes I into... I won't bore you with the details. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I like that she does that about the her his time with Evelyn Marsh. It's like he went off and got involved in this in this crazy murder scheme. I won't bore you with the details. Yeah, that, that was yeah, just a, a really fun meta jab. That. <laughs> yep, that that meta thing about just like nobody wants to hear about this again. Like you know, and I know. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it it also goes into Ed and Norma and like her dissolving the double R uh, branches, like letting those be owned by. Uh, what's his terrible and deciding to finally marry Ed. And she goes into great detail about that moment in Dr. Jacoby's chapter. Right. Yeah. And 
again, like one, why is this in Dr. Jacoby's chapter? Two, why is this in an official FBI docket? Yeah. Because we want to know. <laughs> did you, why, did, why does Cole need to know this? He doesn't know Big Ed. He doesn't know Norma. Why does this matter? That's it's funny. Like I read the Secret History a couple times, and and even the final dossier, and yeah, John. Like I never, I never really got all. I equated D- Jacoby to like Jerry Horn. Like to me, this is a very sixties. Like Terrence, Terrence McKenna kind of hippie mm-hmm. dude that like he is in my mind, especially in the old show, like he is part charlatan. Not, 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 not like it's not that he's, it's not that he's not talented or insightful, but mm-hmm. there was always something a little off about his, maybe it's because of back in the beginning, like oh, maybe this is the weirdo that was do, doing something inappropriate with Laura. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so I always took yeah. him as more of like a relic of the sixties and acid and mm-hmm. rock and roll and that kind of stuff. And it wasn't till after the return, after this, after, and now I've, uh, again, cause of secret history, Mark Frost, like uh, mm-hmm. getting into kind of more of the metaphysical thing. It's like, now I know what alchemy is or that interpersonal alchemy or like what they're, what they're calling spiritual alchemy is. And now you revisit that stuff and like the reason that's in there and the reason Ed and Norma is in here is because secret history already starts playing. Remember like that's all, that's got the Nadine medical report and how one of her eyes is blinded. So she's out of balance and she, she has to shovel her way out of this shit. Like he actually says that in the secret history before the return came out. So they're planting seeds as to like Jacoby wanting to, bring out the spiritual gold in everybody and helping people dig their way out of the shit is in the secret history. And then it plays out in the return. And then, then it's kind of summed up again in here. It's like, look like all this, whatever, like dropping acid and hanging out with pygmies and doing spiritual work and whatever. It's like, it's almost to me like Frost is saying like, Hey, like everybody's kind of on their own quest and, you know, and it's like, you can, it, it's so weird because he's, he's the psychiatrist and he's supposed to help people through stuff. But like you said, like this, there's the rise and fall of Jacoby and he comes back and he screws up or whatever, but he's all like starting with the secret history. He's always on mm-hmm. this. He's always on this path to figure out how to, yeah, make spiritual gold. And basically, it's the coolest thing about the return is that Jacoby is the key to Ed and Norma finally getting back together. And it's because he, yeah. he helps Nadine fix herself. It took 70 years or whatever, you know, it took, you know, it took, <laughs> it took 40 years. Now they're all 70 years old, right? But like, Jacoby is the one that, that figured this out, right? It's, it's almost like if he did nothing else in his life, he fixed Nadine, which got mm-hmm. Ed and Norma back together. So, yeah. yeah it seemed I, like once he stopped trying to be the one to help people and let people help themselves for twenty nine ninety nine. dollars That was when he... That was when he succeeded not only as a quote-unquote therapist, but as 
a a practitioner of what he preached. Mm-hmm. Like, I, this is what I've learned about life, and you have yeah. to help yourself before I can help you at all. Yep. And to let kind of let go of that power, to let go of that complex of I need to get in your head and figure out what's going on with you and make it right, and then you pay me per hour <laughs> to like pay me thirty dollars one time and figure it out yourself. Like, mm-hmm. but not that not that unaltruistically to say, actually, like, this is what I've encountered in my travels. People need to be in charge of their own growth, their own evolution. And I'm giving you the, the tools through knowledge to make your own decision to help yourself. Mm-hmm. Is that, that's really the first step in any kind of yeah. recovery or therapy is to decide that you want this for yourself. Mm-hmm. And his new approach without being the one who's in control is what gave him everything. Yeah. And he started this, like his big breakthrough moment was in secret history where he's um, talking about the death of Laura Palmer and like, you know, like how that, that was his big breakthrough moment where like he says, you know, if I can get out of this, I'm going to, you know, it, I'm going to shovel myself out of this shit. And, you know, like that, that is like when he decided to start actually doing something about him being a charlatan. Cause I mean, yeah, he was a quack, but (laughs) then he woke up and he figured it out and he decided to take accountability and um, agency. And, you know, it's like, he's, he's like, he's basically saying, you know, this is the path I took. And this is the path you can take. And that's the path that um, James and then Ed and Norma and Nadine all took. Yeah, I guess in those ways, it does make sense that those kind of accounts are included in this because he did have a hand in in those mindsets to make those things happen. I liked the bit about uh, Ed and Norma's wedding where Andy bawled like a baby. Oh, I love that too. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my favorite things. And even like, oh, shed yeah. a tear. Yeah, I was like, oh, we didn't see Andy cry in The Return. <laughs> so here it is. And James played a song. I'm sure it was beautiful. <laughs> I'm sure it was just you. Trash. <laughs> Tyler says trash is trash. <laughs> trash is trash. Even if it's a beautiful tune. Mm. It was just you. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. If it wasn't, then somebody messed up. <laughs> who, who did you play off? Who's played off? That's uh, John Bernard. <laughs> no! Oh, John Bernard. Yep. All right, first guest outed. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a good guest. We need to be able to call on him. Please don't kill him off. I need him here. Uh, I, I liked the Margaret Colson chapter. Uh, I like that it's oh, short yeah. and sweet. Uh, the the little details around her passing and the the letter that she left Hawk comprise the entirety of the chapter. Uh, but my my favorite bits were uh, that the service was held at Pearl Lakes, which we've heard mentioned before several times. Yeah. Uh, this has always been kind of a hot spot for different activities around Twin Peaks, and I think that's what she probably requested. And I think she knew that this place had significance. So that's where they hold the funeral, but her ashes are scattered in Ghostwood. Uh, I like that her log is left to Hawk, who keeps it on his mantle. That's, and yeah, and that he keeps an ear out for anything it might have to say. That was the thing that stuck out to me 
in this chapter, and everyone knows that I was yearning for ten legs and a ponytail, buddy cop spinoff with Leo and a spider. Um, <laughs> but this, two sentences, she left her log to Hawk. He keeps it on his mantle. Really makes me want Dave to write another fan fiction theater about Hawk's teen son who's going through a bunch of shit and he gets pissed off at Hawk and he takes a log and he throws it in the fire. No, I won't write it. Open, and then shit like just hits the fan again. It is happening again. Yes. Is that uh, the son of Diane Shapiro and Hawk? Because the biggest, my biggest disappointment in this book was not getting a dedicated Hawk chapter where we learned about the Diane Shapiro. We all know that she broke up with him after that poem. Even though <laughs> it was a candy dropper, she left him. She found out it was plagiarized. It was a Harriet Hayward original. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Perfect. It's all canon. That is canon. <laughs> but yeah, Dave, if you can get to work on that. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, I'll, I'll start immediately. Um, also, we need to figure this out as a, uh, a fellowship. What is Hawk's teenage son named? Eagle. I was thinking like Pigeon. <laughs> it's Ernie. Ernie. <laughs> the double. Is, isn't uh, Hawk the, the family name, though? Is it like Tommy Hawk? No, Frank uh, Truman supposedly Hawk. nicknamed him that. And yeah. um, he, he let him live anyway. <laughs> it's like it's like Hill, isn't it? Like Tommy the Hawk yeah, Hill. Hawk Hill. Mm-hmm. Hill. Okay, yeah, that that's right. So yeah, mm. Jimmy the Eagle Hill. <laughs> yeah, Sunny <laughs> Jim, named after James after his moving performance at Margaret's funeral. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so we're going to talk about Harry Truman for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, unless anybody had anything else on Margaret. I thought uh, it was a good, cha- like a beautiful yeah. chapter. I a think it is the most eloquent chapter in the book. Yeah. 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 That thing about being a passenger or a traveler like that, that just stuck with me. Yeah. We won't go through the whole letter here on the show because it, it is dense, but I would highly recommend it. anybody who has not read this book to go and at least find the Margaret Colson chapter and read this letter because yeah, it is just even for patrons or anybody, you know, if you want, if you want to hear this excerpt, $30 a month, you can hear it <laughs> right here. Twenty nine ninety nine. Oh man. Tell her we'll read it to you. <laughs> I will. I, will I quote it pretty heavy too. I, I quote it pretty heavy too. In my, um, in my part, Two um, section of the final dossier that I did on um, on twenty five YL. Go check it out. Go find that. Get those plugs in, Mister <laughs> Ring. What'd you do about this letter? Here's the thing: like you can kind of like read things, and if they hit you at the right time, like it was the same. There's in the secret uh, secret history. There's uh, doesn't she write something at somebody's funeral? It's like one of the yeah, Robert Jacoby's funeral. Jacoby's funeral. She writes the thing, like 
I don't know. Sometimes I read stuff and you just kind of like read through it and just like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And then other times you read through it, I'm like, that's the most profound shit I've ever read in my <laughs> right. life. Yeah, you, know? you got it. And so uh, I personally am going to read this again because I think the first couple times I read this, I was like, okay, yeah, there's light and the darkness. And yeah, yeah, I've heard this shit before. Yeah, whatever. Like, this is nice. <laughs> whatever. This is fine. But uh, I'm just kind of looking at it now. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> I'll have to. I'll revisit. I'll revisit it. it, oh, it I'm going to pay Tyler to read it to me. There you go. Yeah. yeah, you can let it wash over you, or you can let it be power drilled through your sternum and hit you at your core. Right. It's one or the other. There's no in between with this. Right. Exactly. And right, so we're going to talk about Harry Truman for a little bit here. Um, I I do like that we get some definitive answers about his whereabouts and what's going on with him. Uh, it is confirmed that he left his post due to illness and that that illness is cancer. So cancer is aggressive in Twin Peaks, apparently, uh, and in the world. It's a very common thing and it should not be. And we should uh, support all venues that combat that, please. And he needs to go to that island from Lost. <laughs> what's that? Oh, yeah, because Locke was fine. Uh, and Rose. Lost brothers. So, so I like that he never stopped looking for Cooper the entire time that he was still in position. Uh, he does get doxxed as a bookhouse boy. <laughs> this would say, uh, he was a vigilante, but he was a good man with a good heart. Yeah. I, th I, think, it's a, I think it's a fitting... Uh, not tribute, but acknowledgement of Harry Truman as a character. Uh, we he doesn't get a clean slate. Like he obviously made some mistakes after the loss of Josie and some of the the places he went mentally and things he did were not great. But it, that at, at the end of the day, he was a good friend and a good man who did what he could for the people around him. A true man. A true man. This is where we uh, get the information about uh, uh, Frank being the one to come in and step in until he felt his role was fulfilled and would then be passing along the sheriffship to Hawk. So it, the return is in the two years that Frank steps in before Hawk Passing takes it. Yeah. It would certainly seem that way, yes. Like that just That's an extra step. Why wouldn't Hawk just be sheriff? You know... There's an in-between state between things everywhere this time around. Mm -hmm. That's very true and pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing pleases you, Tyler. Nothing. Any anybody else about Harry Truman? Josie. <laughs> I see your face, Josie. <laughs> Why didn't we get a Pete Martell chapter? For real? Why couldn't I have that? Well, it was he. His story ended in, in history. It, yeah, but they, it they didn't it there. because there's there's new storyline. If we believe that at the end of the return things were different, and Pete That's, gets a a second jab at things, true. his his timeline he might have gone differently. He definitely wouldn't have been pimping Audrey out to Billy Zane at an airport. I feel like that timeline would have still played out the same, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that wouldn't have been affected at all with how like Andrew Packard came back and they went to the bank. 
Yeah, they even show like what Leland committing suicide in a car mm-hmm. or something like that right around the same time. So yeah. That whole plot was so disconnected from Laura and everything. Like, yeah, he still got to go fishing, but I still think <laughs> all of that still played out the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sadly. Yes. Tyler, it's in the book that Leland offs himself. It's not in not in the show. They they don't we don't see that where we read about that. Must have missed it. It's in there. Dying from yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Self-inflicted. <laughs> but I didn't know it was like full-on suicide. Because he basically died from self-inflicted wounds anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you can change a story. Like, even if it's even if it's the same timeline and you're just believing, like, whatever kind of shit you're hearing. Yeah. You know, it's like he still died. It's just you have to explain why. There's a lot in Briggs's chapter. Uh, there's a little bit that I think I get that I might need a little bit of clarity on. So, the thing I was confused on is, was about him not aging. Yeah, and I I got kind of turned around about this too. So, so what I was able to gather from this is that when Briggs met with Cooper after Cooper had left the hospital he knew somehow that it wasn't him, that it was a different Cooper. Right. And pretty much went straight after that meeting to listening point alpha to send a message, probably to say like, you know, mayday wrong Cooper, like something's up. No, we, we messed up somewhere. And while doing this boop shows up. Did he send that, that message that he presented to Cooper and in- the one that like, maybe he sent it to himself in the past. Because yeah. I I love that. Yeah, me too. I like that a lot. Yeah, the the owls are not what they seem. Cooper's not yeah. what he seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like yeah. that a lot. So there's that possibility. Uh, it seems like the sequence of events was he meets with not Cooper, goes to listing point alpha to report on it, gets attacked, uh, the place is destroyed, and after the fact, Briggs survives that attack, but is still able bodied enough to stage his own death and scorches the corpse of what I have to assume is an innocent man and (laughs) pulls some of his own teeth to put at the crime scene to make it seem like he was in the car to try and escape this thing, which seems to work. And somewhere after that, he gets disappeared into the mob zone or whatever it is and gets, I guess, found that I'm, I'm, this isn't in in the reading. This is just what I'm assuming. Gets sucked into the mob zone, gets followed or found by Judy, gets his capitated from his head, and then gets his body parts dispersed throughout time. Is It's a perfect crime. <laughs> and I never got caught neither. <laughs> I think all that's correct. Ex- Great, I win. Except my only... I think the idea is that he, the reason he didn't age is because, yeah, after he, he gets attacked, but survives, but stages his own death. And I was like, well, where could he get a body from? Maybe he made a tulpa of himself. Oh, I like that a lot. because yep. time and space isn't relevant. He's been abducted before. Mm-hmm. In in theory, in theory, loose theory, he knows where the gold pool, the jackrabbits, 
mm-hmm. because that's all Bob. He told all that to Bobby, right? He knows right. where the J- Jackrabbit's portal is, and that is the entrance to the fireman's yeah. house mm-hmm. or, or whatever, white or the Lodge. White Lodge or the fire, fireman's house or whatever you want to call it. We can call it the White Lodge. Yeah. So I think that he goes there and that's where the genesis of if you believe that there's some sort of plan going on with the firemen and and briggs and by extension jeffries maybe by extension mike maybe by extension cooper and gordon cole in the real world that that they they're all aware that there's a problem the spider web whether whether you want to call that judy whether you want to call that mr c the doppelganger out in the world whatever there's a problem and the good guys on the other side of the curtain are going to work together and try to figure this out so so my take is is that he is escapes the fakes his own death escapes the the doppelganger He's young because he jumps into that portal and basically live. He's kind of like Cooper. He exists on the other side for 25 years. Now, he is trying to get the coordinates to Hastings. Remember? They mm-hmm. met. Yeah, he's they like hibernating. Met, right. They met the major. So I take him as like, he's like, he might be like Jeffrey's, like living in one of those canister things. Or he's he's in the Dutchman's like he's got his own room at the Dutchman's like or remember the fireman had, in the fireman's place with the, the movie theater. There's a bunch of those canister things too, like the Jeffries. Yeah. So maybe he's oh just they've got him in stock. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. So my take is that he was going to give the coordinates to Hastings and his girlfriend, and then remember they're like there were so many people. I don't know what happened, and then. I think they said he lost his head. I yeah, always took I, I always took it as like he was attacked by the woodsman, probably, or the right. or the jumping man, or maybe Judy, maybe you know, or the. They do say flirt. he does say in his account of it. Bill Hastings says he lost his head. Yeah, yeah. He says he's so, exploding. But so that, that was beautiful, the, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> it is beautiful. <laughs> yep. uh, uh, so he's trying to get them the coordinates and he's killed in his 40 year old body because he's been back there. And then his floating head that Cooper sees and he says, blue rose is just like, Hey, remember the plan? Yeah. Remember we're trying to fix this problem, which is a blue rose case to regular FBI agents, but it's, it's this, this Tulpa weird madness, whatever, basically Briggs knows what blue rose cases are because he, he, he was part of blue book project blue book that kind of turned into blue rose and those seeds are planted in the secret history. Again, if you were into the frost stuff, do you remember that the listening post alpha came to town, the Briggs family came to town and then Jeffrey Jeffries got all these complaints and the FBI shows up and it's Cole and Jeffries and they go meet with Briggs. And well, I guess everything's cool. Don't worry about Carl Rod. Shut up. You don't know what's going on. This, <laughs> mm-hmm. this is, you know, every, everything's cool. It's like, yeah, because you're the Blue Rose Task Force and this is the guy from Project Blue Book and you're setting up this secret transmitter base in Twin Peaks, right? So anyway, that's, that's, that's very verified. Verified. <laughs> <laughs> Verified.
Yeah. Briggs was doing all he could to let it be known that uh, basically the plan was going awry before he ultimately meets his end while trying to use his various venues to get information out. Uh, I like that we get some detail about exactly how Mr. C made his billions. Uh, he has a sort of spider web of illegal venues that all funnel into a single offshore LLC. And that's, I guess, where he gets his cash out of the ATM to do all his smart, terrible things. Yeah. Spreads it out. And uh, that's all I really pulled from this chapter that was new information for me. Okay. Uh, yeah. Philip Jeffrey's chapter. I learned literally nothing new here. <laughs> It seems like it seems like it's really just a recap of everything that we've seen and read already. I guess it's new to Tammy, but is this the chapter where she really like? Because I can't remember because I feel like the Jeffrey stuff gets spread out, but where she really hammers in like, how do you not know what year it is? Right. Yeah. Like he yeah. seemed to be like shocked at the fact right. that it was the year it was when he shows up in Philadelphia. Yeah. Mark Mark Frost really pointing out, hey, you should make a connection here with mm -hmm. the Jeffrey scene and the ending of the return, like mm -hmm. this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which I love. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, ir ironically, when mm -hmm. you actually hear him say, you know, 1989, like questioning yep. the date. He questions the year, yeah. That's in the missing pieces. Yep. So you have to be a hardcore viewer to like, so the, the amazing and frustrating thing about this show is like, yep. Oh, to, to know what the hell is going on. Like you got to watch the deleted scenes that weren't released for like 30 years. And you probably should read these books too, but then half the people don't take those seriously. So then you got to argue with a bunch of people that don't agree with that stuff. And then like, if you can get through all of that stuff and stomach the fact that none of it makes sense, you might like this show. Yeah. <laughs> if you can just and, let it happen and never question it. Yeah. I love that. Cause I mean, cause Jeffrey, like Jeffrey disappears. And mm -hmm. like, yeah. just like he's out of that. Once he questioned the air, it was just like, boom, just like yeah. almost like the ending, just like, yeah. boom. <laughs> you like, know? Like, yeah. and, and that oh, brings yeah. into question. So at the end of the turn where you have Cooper and Diane, or sorry, Cooper and Laura in Cooper this, or, or Carrie Page, yeah, in this, this new version of Twin Peaks, and he questions what year it is. And there's this like, shut down like the power goes out in this reality it's it's like whatever has you in a place in time with the intention of you not knowing when you are the second you question it it's like all right plans off shut it down like back pull it pull the cords yeah yeah back to starting positions it's like yeah it's like whatever he was there in philadelphia for the second he realized he was in the wrong time like whatever the plan was to have him there got the plug pulled on it because we know he just encountered duty in some fashion. It's carved in the wall. <laughs> like he right. learned something new about Judy and to be sent to this spot and immediately go like, we can't talk about Judy because if we do, I don't have the opportunity to be here. Right. And then blow his own plan and question things and I'll go ahead and get ripped anyway. It's you can't win. One interesting thing I noticed about the Major Briggs chapter and Philip Jeffries being like one right after another, mm -hmm. it's kind of setting up us to question like which um, which one of these agents is um, Cooper going to follow in the footsteps of? Mm. 
is it going to be the good plan or is it going to be like, you know, he's unhinged from time and like he can't ever find himself again? The latter. It's awesome. That's what I would choose. And like, because we know how Jeffries ends up. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. without autonomy and without any ability to affect things himself, he can only give information to people. Oh, that I do this now. Like, yeah, give the right information mm-hmm. to the right people at the right time when they come looking for you because you can't go get them. He doesn't even have your number. He can't call them. <laughs> tell them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, like, yeah, that's that's pretty wild. I love it. I love it. By my favorite lore in the Twin Peaks collective is anything relating to Judy. So I'm glad we're on that chapter. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we're on the I, Judy chapter. I knew you'd come through, Dave. <laughs> In the Judy chapter, we learn that Jeffries has carved Jowdy into the wall of his Buenos Aires suite by his phone. Uh, apparently, this addition of a new vowel was something to trigger something. Uh, TP does research of her own on the entity, on the entity Cole informed her of. He gave her the etymology. So for her to say, I did a little research myself, is stupid. He knows. You don't have to report this. He told you about it. In a different timeline. So, so that's dumb. I mean, maybe. Maybe it's the same timeline. I don't know. <laughs> maybe not. But I just I thought that was dumb. Uh, what's cool is the idea that Judy is one half of a male and female team whose sex ritual could end the world. That's what I'm talking about. That rules. Like, that's that's that Lovecraftian, like unknowable evil stuff that I love so much about this series and about the Judy lore. My big aha was to do with etymology of the names. So we have this uh, ancient entity who's apparently called Jaude, which, as Cole put it, was like over time became Judy. Right. And Tammy goes into references of another uh, false god called Baal or Beelzebub. It's not a far walk to get from either one of those names to Bob. Right. Far right. walk with me. So is... Yeah. So is... <laughs> is Bob drawn to Judy because their union is destined to bring about the calamity of the universe? Yes. <laughs> Correct. I mean, that's, that's where they're leading you right now. Yeah. 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 So a couple of things awesome. on that. Yeah, it is awesome. Dave, you should check out a uh, couple of things real quick. J- Dave should check out Skeleton Key to Twin Peaks, which is Josh Minton's book. It's and, a free, uh, like, ebook. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And he goes absolutely bananas with that union theory and basically like if bob and judy getting together is going to birth the end of the world as we know it as we know it then well bob is leland and judy is sarah so Mm -hmm. is laura palmer being the one is she basically like the the antichrist or the destroyer like of reality is that what's happening so you can run with that whole theory 
that the mother and father did get together and did create the if laura is the one the be all the end all the beginning and the end the alpha and the omega right like is that what's going on here so skeleton key skeleton key the twin peaks check that out two is she not the savior but the destroyer of worlds right. arguably yeah and you know that's one way you can the other thing speaking of john and 25 years later uh uh lindsay did an article about judy uh basically she looked up basically i was doing some uh, i was i was writing some stuff about judy and i looked everywhere for the, to try to track this down and then i ended up on 25yl site uh is it lindsay stamus uh stamhuis Stemheis, yeah. She did an article about like the entomology of Judy based on what's in this book. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Frost says that uh, this is a Sumerian mythology, which he has Jaude as a wandering demon uh, known as the Atuku. Mm -hmm. And the Atuku was a thing. Sumerian gods called the Atuku was a thing. Uh, and if you go back to the secret history, um, there's a, what Frost calls the, the Whore of Babylon statue. There's a picture of the Whore of Babylon statue in back when he's talking about Aleister Crowley and mm -hmm. desert, desert stuff. And it says, you know, Whore of Babylon statue. But that's actually a Sumerian bas relief so that's actually a sumerian deity is that are, are you following me yeah, so in, yeah in the secret history he says oh this is a statue of the whore of babylon well actually it's a statue of a sumerian de sumerian deity which now in the final dossier he's saying like hey judy might be this atuku sumerian uh demon basically mm -hmm. right now what's interesting what i found and Lindsay found too uh, there is no Atuku demon in known Sumerian mythology named Jaudi or Jaude or anything close, oh, anything close to that. And like I mentioned before, Frost likes to fib a little bit to kind of like keep basically like in David Bush in interviews and David Bushman's book conversations with Mark Frost, Mark Frost is like, Oh, well, it's a Sumerian demon. So I just kind of threw that in there. He like, he, he doubles down on the fact that maybe he did base it on something, but it's not named Jaude and there's nothing like I've looked at the list. And so is Lindsay. Like we've looked up the names of all the Tuku and there is no Jaude. There is none. So Are maybe you trying to tell me Judy isn't real. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm just saying like, <laughs> verified. He, yeah. Verified. <laughs> Terrified. Frost in real life interviews has doubled down on the fact that there is an Atuku demon named Jaude, and there's not some text that Maybe. is unknown to. History. Well, that's 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 the cool thing is like that's playing with the whole like. I think he wants people to do their own research. I mm -hmm. think he. And it keeps the mystery alive. And yeah, 
you could say that Mark Frost is like, he does have, he, oh, Mark Frost has this occult text of <laughs> some like Dead Sea Scrolls shit. Like, or some ancient, you know, he's got like, an apocrypha of the actual, yes, the actual Sumerian deities. Yes, yes, exactly. So, not everyone knows about these. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, that's what I'm going for. That's what I'm going with is that Frost has got, got the real deal list. But anyway, so I'm super stoked that you're into Jowde because. It's badass is what it is. Yeah, that rules. <laughs> and and I, I get that Judy or Jowde uh, could be just a, a meta thing. It could be just this the hidden the hidden trauma of, you know, again, like the 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 guilt and the rage that's haunting Sarah Palmer. Maybe the Judy doesn't even really exist and it's kind of more of like a a traumatic thing and you know like I'm open to like all interpretations of it. Not not too much more uh, as we move into Ray Monroe. That uh, mother <laughs> Ray Monroe. So that really not that much information in this chapter. Uh, something that is kind of neat is the uh, the couple of details that the the matchbook that Ray Monroe had on him was in basically new condition from uh, the Dutchman's Lodge, which was long since demolished, like a long time ago. It's not a current thing, but somehow he has a mint condition matchbook from it. And it's also of note that the Dutchman's Lodge is exactly halfway between Missoula and Twin Peaks. Missoula? (laughs) Missoula, Montana. It's just more time and place things, how no time or place is exactly what it seems when it comes to anything having to do with this investigation. Yeah, and the the Dutchman's thing ties into, I mean, they they pretty much make this clear, but like, remember how Cole in the last episode, part part 17 says that, doesn't he say Ray Monroe's an FBI informant? Yeah. Yeah. So we can kind of assume now in part eight when he's saying, oh, Philip, Philip on, on the phone, like basically Ray has been working the same way that Jeffries is kind of playing both sides. Like you don't really know, like, well, it seems to be he's cooperating with Mr. C, but ultimately he helps out Cooper and Gord Cole talks about him and Cole knows that he's basically off in the ether, right? So like, okay, maybe he's a good guy, but basically how the same way Jeffries is kind of a double agent or you don't really know whose side he's on ray is kind of the do the same thing like he's an fbi informant but working for mr c and the philip that he's talking to is philip jeffries and arguably the reason he has this matchbook is because that's where jeffries is hibernating or incubating or whatever Mm -hmm. so uh i think they're just like kind of like trying to make it like hey Oh yeah, and don't forget about Ray. He was he was in the, <laughs> right. Yeah, he, he was in the middle of all this too. So it is actually pretty major that he is the boots on the ground informant between this other dimension and actual FBI investigators. Yeah, yeah, and he is uh, he is that common thread. Yeah, and you know, is he? It, it's funny. I don't know if they ever spell it out. But like, is he? You think you guys think he's a blue rose guy, or you think he's just kind of a lower level guy that got? tossed in and course like go go talk to this guy Lower talk- level. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
More like that. I think he's a, a competent guy who liked the sound of money and mm-hmm. was willing to take on some really dangerous stuff because of dollar signs. It is interesting. He got a, you know, some matches from there when he's like, I checked it out and it doesn't exist. <laughs> Again, unofficial. It's not version. a place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He talked about the Dutchman's, but it's not a place. Right. His last <laughs> words. <laughs> yep. <laughs> His last words. <laughs> I know what it is. I even kind of wondered if he maybe like Cole was posing as Philip and maybe he never really did go there. Like I always thought maybe Cole was doing that to him and he was, you know, just to get to Mr. C and Mr. C was also looking for Jeffrey. So maybe Cole was just pretending or he was telling uh, him to pretend yeah. you've, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah That was yeah. something I, that definitely crossed my mind at some point was that somebody was pretending to be Jeffrey's to Ray. Well, someone's pretending to be Jeffrey's to Cooper. Right. Also, or Miss, Mr. C in the, at the very yeah. beginning. That's one of my favorite things. Uh, <laughs> I got yeah, yeah. Love yeah. talking about that scene. Yeah. Which, so again, Jeffries is never able to, and the idea that the ring, Jeffries got the ring to Ray. Well, who's kind of the keeper of the ring or who do you see is Mike. Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Philip Gerard. Yeah, it's Philip Gerard and Philip Jeffries. <laughs> oh, different. <laughs> different Mike. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So again, it's like, it's never come out and said, but it, it feels like the two Phillips are working together on that, you know, like, and then right. Mike, Mike brings Cooper to, to Jeffries at the, at the very end. Right, so yeah. it's like, maybe those guys are kind of, they're kind of working on the inside, you know, where uh, Cole and with the, the help of Ray and, you know, are kind of trying to facilitate this stuff. It's like basically everyone's trying to trap Mr. C the whole time, right. pretty much. And wake up the old Cooper and trap Mr. C. Yeah, but I think more likely since Ray is already a presence when the return begins, I think it's more likely that Cole is trying to find Philip Jeffries and uses Ray kind of as the, you know, the the guy on a string that you send through the portal. And then you pull back when there's trouble. Like he's an expendable yeah. guy that they pick up and pay money to be this liaison until they can find a safe way for Cole to get to Jeffries and finally find the long lost Philip Jeffries. Because it's after the fact that, you know, Ray's already in the FBI's pocket that we find out that there is a bad Cooper and a good Cooper. And now we're looking for good Cooper or we're looking for Dougie Jones because we weren't before. Right. But I think it's most likely that Cole's trying to find Jeffries and using Ray as the, the bait on the hook to make sure that, you know, it, it's safe to pass. And that brings us to today. Pretty sure it was yesterday. Yes, well, today. the chapter's called today, so. That'll be tomorrow. I think okay. it's called Tau, Tau Day. <laughs> <laughs> Etymology has really bastardized the word, but cow <laughs> <Yep>. day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as of as of today, as of the writing of Tammy's report, the town of Twin Peaks no longer remembers Laura as dying, but just going missing. So, what does that tell you? Uh, it's 
Interesting to note a few things that uh, Sarah Palmer's father worked on the Manhattan Project. And Sarah was one of the affected on the night of Gotta Light. Couldn't be spelled out <laughs> any plainer than it right. is here. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you had a theory about it, it was probably true. Mm -hmm. Frog Sarah Moth Palmer Girl is 100% Sarah Palmer. Uh, yeah, been saying Howard it told us that it would be a part that has nothing to do with Twin Peaks. Okay, this yeah. this brought up some pretty wild imagery and speculation for me. So, I mean, with the confirmation from the book that it's it's pr all but completely written in ink that Sarah Palmer is the one who took the frog moth into her mouth on God of Light Night. Mm -hmm. I love how when you say that, it seems like she willingly took a frog moth <laughs> and put it in her mouth. When it entered her. It entered ooh. her. Without consent. This of thing course. was one of multiple eggs that were spewed onto the planet. Okay, we're talking sex ritual stuff when we're talking about Judy. Like, this monster makes things happen through sexual rituals. That's been witnessed we know this to spew a bunch of eggs onto the planet with the hopes that one will make it through and, then, and become a vessel is 100% a procreation analogy in my opinion like this is 100% 200% is a huge analogy 110% and this is her 100% so I feel like this is Judy's way of trying to get a physical presence on Earth and be basically a, a dormant bomb. Just like, like throwing seed everywhere. Yeah, I'm the fuse and my male counterpart is the match. Like, you want to play with fire, little boy? Let's end the world. Here's a match. Yeah. Strike anywhere. Back to now's back up to the, there's your Pearl Lakes connection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sex is all over part eight. And like, if you want to add another like ambiguous, and we talked about this in the part eight episode, like, there's a whole other ambiguous uh, level about Laura, too. So basically, at the same time that Jade spews these seeds all over the the fireman creates out of like golden ovaries, this golden orb yeah. comes down and they send it off in these mechanical golden fallopian tubes and they spit that golden seed to earth. Mm -hmm. And literally the next scene is the egg on the ground. It cracks open and the frog moth comes out like, I still to this day can make an argument. I don't really think so, but like my first impressions and I can still make the argument that that's Laura. Yes. Because it enters Judith Palmer or whatever. And like a gold orb is sent to earth and you've got this girl, like a puberty aged young woman and something like ugly goes inside of her and we all know that she's the mother of Laura and I mean but I also think like you like I think that that's exactly what it is that it's like some some sort of homing beacon 
remember Sarah was always kind of spooky in the original mm-hmm. series. Like there's always something going on with Sarah. It's like, this is so weird. Yeah, this is she's had two <laughs> patients. Where is it, Tyler? Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> She's had two no. visions. Well, it's she, funny you um, said that. You said that though, Mister Ring, my friend, just watched the whole series for the first time in the past month, and he said the same thing after part eight. He said he thought that was Sarah Palmer, and he thought that was Laura. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that that's so. Again, Dave, that gets the ambiguous of like, is Laura the the product of ultimate evil is she there to combat all that stuff is she you know but no i think that those frog moth things are like beacons for judy and they're like little seeds of evil that live all over the planet and sarah palmer just happened to absorb one of them and that's why you know 60 years later her grief and trauma whatever like allowed judy to like come like live inside of her for a while she was like you know she just knew i forget what she told the boy that she just knew something but like she was kind of um like i don't think it was the the frog bug that gave her that ability to like be spooky i think she's always been that way even before then Hmm. and um and I like that, like, she's kind of like a beacon rather than that thing being Judy. Because then, like, I, I don't know. I, I have a huge, huge problem getting too deep into the Judy thing being, like, more than a story. Like, like I could see the Black Lodge types being, seeing that Bob and Judy story as, like, aspirational rather than, like, what's actually happening. And, um, like, I, I just can't imagine as much, um, as much pain and agony as Laura went through in Firewalk with me, which Lynch, like, basically said, you have to watch that in order to understand the return. Um, I can't imagine him taking away the autonomy of Laura being a human girl. And, like, and also, like, a known, like, she's basically, like, a figurehead for people who've, like, been victims of incest yeah. and things like that you know it's like you don't you don't take away that kind of thing and like just say like oh no they're they're, they're just monsters you know right. like i can't imagine lynch has like i and and you know i'm not saying the frost believes this either i'm i'm thinking that you know like this is the thing that mr c believes rather yeah. than what's actually happening you know it's like because because Cooper's in charge of all this like weirdness because he's the one who split in the lodge and like inverted everything like the lodge sides on earth and the earth sides in the lodge now. So like he's kind of shaping this whole thing, but um, I don't think Frost and especially Lynch based on how he's talked about Laura over the years and the fact that he's still focused on her even after she was just supposed to be an entryway into the show. Like, I can't imagine him turning her into, like, some kind of mythical creature rather than a human being who had to live through that. Right. And additional, and it's just something I was thinking of while you were talking, too. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to take away the idea that Laura Palmer is her own human person with her own experiences, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think really at the end of the day, I think when this gold orb is created in fallopian tubes down to the earth, mm-hmm. I, I think having the image of Laura in the ball is more like the target, like go to this life form, like go mm-hmm. assimilate with this because this is the power for her to survive and not be what will be if it's the just the product of the two world ending mates. Cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. like let this girl survive and not be the destruction of the world. Like mm-hmm. this is this is the shield. This is the power to endure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think that Laura Palmer is necessarily, you know, I don't subscribe to that she's the the antichrist or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that I get what John's saying totally, totally. I just never I I think it can be both. Like I don't think that it's like it's like uh the last temptation of Christ or something. Like Jesus is the, still the son of God and he's still the savior of mankind. But that doesn't change like he still suffers as a man. He still goes mm-hmm. through the trials of being human. And I'm not saying Laura is a Christ figure either, but that's certainly if Laura is the one and we are shown that she's like, there's that this was like predestined or something that she is tied to this gold orb that was sent to earth by otherworldly creatures or whatever. I, I, I think it can be, I think it can be both. I don't think that Lynch or Frost is saying like, her suffering is now negated because this is all some part, part of some master plan. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's deeper. I think this is like Jesus. It's like Osiris. Every person, every character in mythology that is quote unquote sent to earth or is, is, is given to mankind to help. Uh, they all suffer as humans. Right. And like, it doesn't, in my mind, it doesn't take away from from that. But I definitely get the argument. Like the argument is like, hey, like if this is all start part of some master plan, then like everything that she went through in Fire Walk with Me and her life is is like in a sick way. It's kind of like it's okay mm-hmm. because because it's it's part of the master plan. You know, yeah, it's and supposed like, to happen. And, yeah, that, yeah. And, but this isn't yes. supposed to happen to yeah. anybody. No, 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 right. no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I. I agree with that. That's gross. <laughs> I don't ever want to be like to come across that way. Like mm-hmm. definitely. Oh, not. you don't. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, right. no, no. I, but I'm with you though. Like taking away, seeing this story, if you look at the story and it removes Laura's agency, I don't think that's Lynch's intent. I don't think that's Frost's intent. And I don't think that's the right way at all. Like that's the whole point of Firewalk for me. Yeah. That's the whole point of why this story is powerful. That's the whole point. Like, yeah, uh, like you oh, like, I mean, there's books written on Laura as right. an abuse uh, mm-hmm. victim. Oh yeah, Laura's survived. ghost. Yeah, I mean, all that like stuff Gordon is Stalling's book. Yeah, and it's it's that's in the in the diary, Jennifer Lynch's diary. Mm-hmm. You know, like that stuff is super, super, super important. You know. <laughs> 
super important. Probably Absolutely. the probably the most important thing about all of it. I'm much more on board with the idea that Laura was a person who was recognized as having definitely a bad hand dealt forthcoming and to get a little help from someone else to allow her to persevere and to not let these evil monsters immediately take her over. Like Bob could not assimilate her. And I think that's largely due to the fact that somebody else saw that coming and gave her some protection. And that fits in with the help that you see like all over the place too. Mm -hmm. Like even in this book. Yeah, the force is working behind the curtain to like help facilitate, you know. It's interesting because the secret history is all about at the end of the secret history, especially all the UFO stuff. And it's all about how, well, these entities are kind of like, uh, they're, they're aloof to our morality, right? Like these guys probably, these, creatures probably look at us like the way we look at insects and, and mm -hmm. things like that. And like, well, I think that's probably kind of like right on, like, yeah, probably what it would be like, you know, it's interesting now and you watch the return and then read this book and it's like, well, that may be true, but like some of them want to help us out. Like some of them do, maybe it's not morality. Maybe it's more about balance. You know, maybe mm -hmm. it's like all this evil's coming in the world and, and these other creatures are kind of just like, hey, we need to help out the good guys here because it's gonna, we need to help, we need to balance balance things out, you know, humanity, mm -hmm. you know, the universe has to kind of balance itself out. All right, well, I guess we get into the final thoughts. Uh, what I- the plane now in right. the air. Are you just gonna read it to us? No, she's just so, she's quite the wordsmith. <laughs> now, Tammy has left Twin Peaks, and as she gets further east, she feels her mind uh, start to clear and doesn't really know what to make of this. Like, obviously, whatever's affecting the town and whatever's taking place there is changing things, and it affects the people who are there, but not the people who aren't. Uh, what, I, what I pulled most from these final thoughts is an, another kind of meta stab at the reader where uh, she outright says that uh, basically from what she can gather is that answers don't come from a book or from someone wiser. You basically have to find it out for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that to me was just like, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Again, and I should have read the last page. She definitely just... has a way of, like getting to the end of her books and being like, fuck you, reader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Frost has a way of doing that as well, apparently. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Him being like a, whatever, I guess, co-creator mm -hmm. mm -hmm. tells me, like doing this twice in literature, like he thinks his show <laughs> is not worth watching. <laughs> It's just a big <laughs> joke. I, I don't. I don't take it as not worth watching, but definitely, it, it's it's just so hard to think about any of this because it's not going to be explained to you ever. Not with any. Mm -hmm. Not with any companion literature. Not with 
you know, deep analysis of every single episode. You can go frame by frame. You can be a so-called expert, but from the creator's mouths, you don't get it. That's true. And you won't is, get it. This is adult shit. Real life. <laughs> fuck all. Is what this is. <laughs> yep, there's two people who have the secrets, and everybody else, it's just a mystery. Yep. I think they've been in and constant con- too combat bad. since 1989. <laughs> I think that's part of it, but like, if you think about it, the way Lynch is with his actors, like Lisa Coronado had no idea, like even what kind of game she was playing with, with, um, you know, the kid who mm-hmm. gets hit. Right. Like he won't tell her anything. And then he basically trusts her to make something up and then doesn't ask her what it is. It's just a friendly game of chase me into traffic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it, it's going to work because you're going to do your part and I'm going to do my part and it's going to work on film and nobody needs to know exactly why. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like that's just a big microcosm of pretty much everything in this show in a lot of ways. And you hear Frost talking all the time about how it's, it's, not, it's not about answers, it's about the journey. And like, what the journey unlocks while you're on it so like you know it doesn't actually matter if there are answers as long as we're thinking about it yeah totally and dave and you remember when i forget what episode we were doing but like that was the biggest frustrating thing after the return like i was like super pissed off because i (laughs) i I really did want answers to certain Mm -hmm. to certain things like i get it like i get lost highway and mulholland drive like i get not knowing exactly what's going on but like i want some sort of something right and it just the return like just knocked me down just like what 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 like (laughs) yeah and and it was cold and ambiguous and weird and you're just like Mm -hmm. dude like really and then the book came out and then it's like well hey it's all leo died yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're like, well, hey, man, it's all about the journey, man. And I'm like, screw you guys. Like, I'm tired yeah. of traveling. But half of what's in this book, I already knew. Yeah. And we went on deep dives on. But you have it straight from Tammy's neck. Like, we went into gospel. We went into deep dives on Vivian Smith's marital history. And who does that help? Yeah, right. What does that do for me? It birthed Hal's Ernie. It did a lot for you. <laughs> it's, one more, it's one more example of a secret relationship coming to the surface from a public relationship and then like all the chaos that ensues from it. It's just repeating cycles over and over yeah. again in various ways. And, like, in, in that first cycle, we see how it, like, basically destroyed Donna and Gersten, or, you know, Donna for a while, anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, this time we get to see kind of how it, like, didn't build Annie to the point where she could handle darkness if it came, you know, if it came to her door. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's just stuff like that. Like, you get to see kind of, like, how people deal with the darkness when it gets here. 
And then after you see that for a while, then you see Cooper's plot, you know, the plot actually kicks in. And now that you've seen kind of like how the darkness works its way into regular world stuff, and you see like all these case studies of like how people are actually, you know, affected by it or, you know, crushed by it or, you know, like thriving through it. Um, then you get to see Cooper and like, you kind of have to figure out like, is he gonna, is he gonna follow the Briggs, you know, Jacoby Margaret kind of plan or is he gonna um, get too caught up in like the, the same stuff that like Lana's caught up in, you know, like, is he going to play that game and get lost in it? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm a firm believer that like the, the one thing that I wanted out of the return is that, um, you know, we're going to find out how Dale gets out. And I don't think Dale got out. I really don't, <laughs> you know? And, and I think mm-hmm. like, you know, all this stuff that we're getting here is like, is Cooper going to figure out how to, um, it, like if, if you're leaving Twin Peaks, the fog leaves you, is he going to be stuck in that fog forever? Or is he going to figure out how to get above the fog and actually see what the world really looks like? Yeah. And that's, yeah. Kind of a, that's a meta, yeah. that's also like a meta metaphor for like, like the kind of like the whole nostalgia thing mm-hmm. for television. It's like we all live for twenty years with this like idealistic fog of the town of Twin Peaks, you know. And then Lynch mm-hmm. is always talking about like transcending that. And then there's the whole like, hey, you can't go home again. The one thing I could say that that I the absolute balls of this show to do to not play the nostalgia game like to just be like hey our show is about there's no you can't ever go home again and what what you thought was the past and ideal and and beautiful like maybe it was maybe it wasn't but the point is you're not there now you have to live in the moment Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. you have to you have to trans transcend the fog basically whether the fog is your memories your idealized idealization of the past, your longing for nostalgia from a stupid TV show or whatever. Like the whole point is to like, you got to get above that. And, mm-hmm. and then on, on top of that, you know, part of me thinks it's, it's kind of cheeky and coy and it pisses me off where it's just like, Hey man, well, I know none of it makes sense, but it's just about the journey, man. I'm kind of like, eh. <laughs> But on the other but hand, can it be about the destination just one time? Yeah, right, exactly. But like I said, when we did the secret history show, like there's so much here. Like you and like John said, it's about the cycle. Like every time you revisit this show, yeah, those answers, those questions aren't going to get answered. But man, like this is about like it's a detective story, but it's about like comfort food but it's also very spiritual but it's also about like human relations but it's also kind of funny and quirky but it's also super dark and weird and like there's mysticism and occult shit and there's like meditation and and mythology and like i'm now reading books about like you know victorian era like theology and or theosophy and 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 alistair crowley's philema and sex magic stuff like 
I never would have like, I mean, I wouldn't say never, but like I'm reading all kinds of stuff and I'm into all kinds of stuff and I met all kinds of cool people and I'm making mm-hmm. YouTube videos and like doing podcasts and like talking about ancient Sumerian demons and the power of like cherry pie and comfort food and coffee and everything in between. And it's just like, that's why the show is rad. I can mm-hmm. make, it makes me mad because I can't get any answers and think nothing ever quite lines up. Nothing ever quite fits to where it's satisfying. But at the same time, like it's, it's like life transformative. When I walked away from the final dossier, I was just like, screw you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was really uncomfortable with the final dossier when I first read it. And, you know, I mean, it, it's like, there's so many like really compellingly concrete sort of things at the end, but you know, then, then you find, you know, that then you see the escape hatch of like that fog when you're leaving town, you know, it's like you, you can, the book allows you to pick and choose which parts you want to take with you when you leave it. And like coming up with the why you chose it is pretty interesting. We'll just go ahead and get into our section where we rate this on a scale of one to five James Hurley foreheads in a segment we call Talking Foreheads. Talking Foreheads. Uh, this gave me a lot of information I already knew. Uh, a couple of cool details that I thought were fun to follow up on, but a lot of just superfluous noise that I... I felt like the energy could have been better spent somewhere else. Uh, so at the end of the day, I'm going to have to end this one with two and a half foreheads. Just two but how about it, Patrick? Uh, much like Annie, this book's fine. Um, <laughs> it's not the beast uh, that secret history is. Um, doesn't give me a whole lot, or it doesn't give me as much to dissect, I will say. Um, even though it's not a book, I felt similarly to the El Camino Breaking Bad movie, you know, um, fine, not so much necessary and doesn't take away anything from the series for me. Um, some parts I can, you know, live without and, um, I don't know. I feel like some things were too neatly tied up, which I just, I, I didn't appreciate. (laughs) I didn't, Mm -hmm. some things I just didn't need to know. Uh, a lot of the characters that weren't in the return, I really liked. I liked learning about. I liked learning about their outcomes. Those were probably probably the most interesting to me just because we didn't see them on screen. Um, so uh, Annie and Log Lady and then the stuff with Judy and Jeffries at the end, probably my favorite parts. Um, I thought the ending was wonderful, just playing with the timelines, converging. Um, I give this one just three. Uh, it's a book. Yeah. Uh, it's a book. Two foreheads. Ooh. I don't have to back it up because I'm a I'm a grown up. Just two. Mr. Ring, what are you gonna give? The final dossier, foreheads wise. Three and a half foreheads for the final dossier. Thoughtfully generous. (laughs) (laughs) 
little generous. Yeah. Just three. No, I mean, I had, I felt that it was kind of truncated. I felt that some of it was kind of forced. I felt, felt that some of it was kind of trite. I felt that some of it was kind of silly and didn't need to know. And I kind of already knew it. And just like, haha, I'm, I'm the archivist at the end of, uh, the secret history, I felt that the kind of, I, I don't know, as cool as I think it is, and it's, it's like opened up all this stuff in mind, like I felt that the the Judy Jeffrey stuff at the end, as cool as I think it is, it did, it felt a little thrown together at first, just kind of like, oh, but yeah, I guess uh, Sumerian demon, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's like, I was like, yeah, I was like, really? All right. Um, but all that being said, uh, it's great. It, 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 it's, it was satisfying. And I'm glad we got maybe what Audrey's story could have been. Like I said, the Donna stuff and some of the stuff that even I didn't really care too much about, it felt very real. You know, the Margaret stuff is great. Uh, getting the whole kind of Briggs backstory, like, okay, well, so what happened after the doppelganger showed up? Like, and they mm -hmm. kind of, kind of walked you through that. Like, that's what's super cool. Mm -hmm. um, so as much problems I have with it, I, I still like reading it. Oh, I, I like the whole Becky, Becky and Shelly, like the Briggs family, like you kind of leaves that door open. Like, oh, well, maybe she's, maybe she is alive in Frost universe. You know, I don't, I don't know. So good stuff, not perfect, but good stuff. So th three and a half foreheads. Gotcha. Hi, Mr. Bernardi, we're talking foreheads. What are we giving the final dossier? Well, based on all sorts of things, I was able to get four parts of analysis on this thing. So, I mean, it, I find there to be a lot of good in here. Um, I know initially Frost wanted it to be basically like, you know, the things that wouldn't fit all the way in the script. You know, it's like things him and Lynch talked about, but, you know, it just didn't fit the show anymore. So, you know, it's like he was going to put them in there because he knows that uh, people did want to know about, you know, where the characters have been since the show. So, I mean, that, that was the purpose that I heard about first. Um, based on how he did it, I enjoyed stuff like, I mean, even the Vivian section in a way, because it was just like, it, it was that batshit season two stuff, you know, like mm -hmm. it was in that tone, like all the characters fit the voices that they were supposed to have and the styles that they were supposed to have. Um, so, you know, you get the zany stuff, but then you get, you know, Margaret sounding just like Margaret's supposed to. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, the the answers are there but then again some of the other answers like those inconsistencies have given me like a lot more proof to the whole thing that i've been working on that like all of season three is kind of a reflection of everything else that came before it and like it's not exactly based in reality but it is but it's not you know it's like it's with the mirror thinks it's seeing on the other side or something you know mm -hmm. it's like there's a lot yeah. of data in this book that kind of helps reinforce that 
So like between the initial enjoyment, the, um, the goal that Frost had and um, the fact that, you know, it continues to give and it's way more ambiguous than it's supposed to be. I mean, then, then it initially lets on. I give it a four. Just four. That's a very high score. I, I think mine would have been better if it had been a different framing. Like, yeah. The fact that this was all presented as an official <laughs> FBI report, mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff would have absolutely no business being in a legitimate like, report to the head of the FBI. Yeah. Concerning a case that took place in a small town so many years ago. Sure, he had developed a couple of relationships with some of the people there, but mm-hmm. not as many as were that got dived into this hard. Like you have yeah. two pages on major characters and then 30 on things that don't matter. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's for me, it was a mess, but I also, I also see where you're coming from. And yeah, and I'll, I'm just I'll used to it again. And I'm also grading on a curve because I'm used to the framing device being, you know, like just barely there sometimes. <laughs> you know, like sure, the, audio, sure, yeah. the audio tapes of Dale Cooper from like the age when he got a reel to reel tape recorder that he wears on his back. I mean, you got to mm-hmm. reach for these things. So, you know, it's like, all right, you know, what, whatever, you know, sometimes it's going to work great and sometimes it's going to be like, oh, for God's sake, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally fair. Well, Mr. Bernardi, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being with us for this monster of a coverage. And uh, where, well, can the people, where can the people find you online? Oh, they, they can find me over at uh, 25YL. I'm still writing. I'm officially working on a Twin Peaks podcast. So that's going to be hopefully this fall. I've got my fingers crossed. And um, yeah, that's it, it's a ball to go back through. We're going to do one at a time, but it's going to be um, full spoilers. And, you know, like any theories that I've been working on, any theories that I know are like fairly popular, I, I kind of want to, add it all together with history uh, behind the show too. And it's, it's, it's a bit of an undertaking. <laughs> so you're not really you don't say. writing there, <laughs> but um, I am going to be working um, on that for a while. And um, you'll see us on our YouTube channel that way. And um, otherwise I'll be a JPB underscore a little green at, uh, I mean, on Twitter. <laughs> gotcha. Thank Thanks. you very much, Mr. Ring. Uh, where can the people find you online? Uh, TakeTheRing.com is my YouTube channel and uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search at TakeTheRing430. Awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of this with us. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, guys. You know, thank you so much again. This was an absolute pleasure, and we're, we're so glad you were able to be here with us. Yeah, well, yeah, I appreciate it. I love you guys. You guys are one of the, one of the premier podcasts I've come across. Uh, that is high praise. Uh, thank you very much. Not wrong. <laughs> and be sure to join us for future installments of talking backwards you can email us at talkingbackwardspod at gmail.com patrick you can hit us up on twitter at talking backward tyler anchor.fm slash talking backwards that's where you can find all the good stuff we're also on patreon at patreon.com slash talking backwards there's so much to find there go look at it subscribe get good things we're happy to do it for you like this one Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. 
of all podcasts, Talking Backwards Podcast, a Twin Peaks podcast, is what this is. But I'm sure you don't care about that because you only care about shoutouts. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. I am the Egg Deviler, here to do what I do best, read some names. Now, I know you're thinking to yourself, wow, how can I get this guy to say my name on the podcast? Well, I'll tell you how. All you have to do is just head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash talking backwards and throw some money at us. If you do that, I'll say your name. Easy enough. I know you got cash in your pockets. Throw it in a bank. Throw some numbers on the computer. Send it to us. But without further ado, I've got two shoutouts to shout out today. First up on the list, we have Jerry McDowell. Jerry, how cool are you? I'll tell you how cool you are. You're very cool. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world to me. It means the world to Patrick. It means the world to that other guy. Thank you so much for your support. Next up on the list, we have Nancy Corcoran. Corcoran. Cochran. Corcoran. Nancy, thank you for the support. I don't know how to say your last name. I hope you're not offended. I've made a mistake in the past, and I'm still sitting with that. Nancy, thank you so much. Wow, just great stuff. Well, those are all the shout-outs I have to shout out today. Again, if you would like to hear your name escape these lips, then please head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash talkingbackwards. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it right now. Do it. Do it. Yes, thank you for listening as always. This has been Talking Backwards, and we'll see you in the trees.